Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now, come here. Do you want me to be like, welcome back to this, that's what I heard podcast, or can we just go with whatever? Um. But um, <laughs> I, now we're like, nine, we're like so 900 much. episodes in, I still don't know what I'm saying at the start. That's his favourite thing to do. Welcome back to the podcast with myself and Carly. Um, so we had a little eventful week the past week together, rather than being on FaceTime on the toilet, because that's normally what we do, sit there for about an hour talking to each other, <laughs> talking shy. We were out and about. We went to, where did we go first of all, Carly? We went to Rebecca yes. Kelly's uh, live podcast show. Um, she is Everywhere We Go podcast. It was brilliant. We yeah. had a lovely time, didn't we? That was our first kind of show to kind of more or less go to regarding the podcast. Yeah, our first for time to see a live podcast show. And I have to say it was actually Rebecca's first time to do one herself. And she was She was just brilliant. You just she? know from the, she has like little video footage on our Instagram as well. She actually brought her kitchen table <laughs> and chairs with her and had like a little backdrop of a kitchen. So it was just real raw emotion through the whole thing wasn't it it was a very whore yeah, show very like whore. everything was centred around all of our beliefs and mm. all the things that she really stands for so it was a, a really lovely time and of course millions of people were there that we knew and weapons weapons, weapons. no the crowd was like people were talking about all their life experiences and they're like yeah go on <laughs> like no I'm telling you how you know who you are as well no not jobs but, but um, Mary Bourne oh she was unbelievable oh. I'm obsessed with her. I'm no. just obsessed with her voice, but more so her personality. I know. She didn't give a fuck, didn't she? No. Do you know what? Again, she's just real, like, she's just whore in she, every sense of the word. And she told her story about our struggles with mental health and all through the lockdowns and everything. Yeah. And it was just so raw. I know. It was mental. But come here, I actually Googled Mary Bourne's uh, net worth and I said she's worth 12.5 million. So Gizzle So Gizzle Mary, because my car got clamped and it got removed <laughs> from where I actually parked it up. Before we get into that, can we just say at Rebecca Kelly's show, there was a camera uh, facing out. <laughs> <laughs> there was a camera no, facing out into the audience. And I didn't realise until like more than half the way through. We were sitting there and I could just see the little red light recording. And I was like, Sean, is that a camera? And he was like, oh, fuck. So basically, right. And I don't mean to be rude. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings because I'm not singling anybody out. Right. But the fucking smell of Billy Bow along that crowd that we were sitting in. Right. And it was that potent that I thought it was me I literally and I was thought like, it was Carly I was like, I was like no that is you now stinking. don't get me wrong right this the theatre itself was fucking scald and we were all sweating and I'm a psycho over being clean I'm a psychopath over being clean and I literally had just showered before I walked out the door but the sweat was pissing at me ever since I've had to be on treatment I do sweat like a bastard and with that I said to Sean like Sean is, is that me? Can you just check if that's me? Because I don't know if I'm getting this smell off me or not. So Sean's smelling me and he goes, no, Carly, I do think it's you. <laughs> it's like your stink. And I thought he was winding me up and he was like, no, no, and he didn't giggle. And I was like, no, he's not messing. He really does think that's me. And I was like, no, Sean, there's no possible way it could be me because I just washed myself. And he was like, no, Carly, I think it is you. It's really bad. And I was like, oh my God. So throughout the whole show, if Rebecca releases footage <laughs> in the crowd, it's just going to be me and Sean smelling me. Smelling our arms. Trying to figure out for the whole time wasn't me. Actually, turns out a wasn't me in the end thank and you know God. what made it worse is Carly had a fuck off blazer on us and we were ducking our heads under the, under blazer. the blazer so it was like I was just kissing our armpit yeah. it was the weirdest thing ever and, and if that also, comes out we've seen a few people vape before we seen it so if you see us having a vape on it it's really uh, not uh, our no, problem, not so us, not us. if you see someone having a vape it's certainly who? 
<laughs> what happened? No. I do other people are. And I won't mind everybody was looking at us because I had a Benadorm fan. The sweat was pissing out of me and I'm not built <laughs> for that climate. So I'm there baiting myself with the Benadorm fan and then smoking all's rising because loads of people were vaping and then all the smoke was over their head because I'm there fanning away. So everybody thought it was us, it wasn't us. No, it wasn't. And speaking of vaping, like I did have one at Joanne McNally show. I went to see Joanne McNally last, was it last week? It was it a week, guys? Was it a week to go for? Oh, lads, also, we tried to basically record this last week and it went shit. So you enjoyed that because today is Monday and tomorrow's Tuesday and that's when we're releasing it. You're listening so to us. You're listening uh, to us. Today. Tomorrow. Is oh, it? <laughs> I made a vals with it. But I um, went to Joanne McNally's show and I was in a fucking kink. Like, the whole hour and a half she didn't, like, co-character. Yeah. She just kept going. I was like, she needs to stop because I'm going to piss myself like, my jaw was killing me for about three days from laughing, and the fella beforehand was great. She had a big fuck off Baraka. I think it was, like, a big Baraka thing, but, like, ash on top of it. Right. Baraka was just smoking from the whole thing. Is she, like, addicted to that, or Salvadin, or something? I don't know. She's just a fucking weapon anyway. Would highly recommend. And I also got two tickets to her show with Vogue as well, so I'm fucking buzzing for After that. After all, you're giving out on Instagram. People totally enjoy yeah, that, Yeah, I'm the third row in at the stage. Very and well, she'll right? ignore me again when she sees me. Oh, <laughs> he's at the calling her. Oh. No, but yeah, no, had a little ball. Uh, what else did we do? So we what we were talking about there was your poor car situation. Oh, now lads, why don't I get a minute? Like honestly, like now, I Ian, don't be fucking laughing at me either because you'd be revoluting me the money to fucking own camp it if you want me to come down to do this. Now lads, like I parked it right outside the house. Now, Carly has educated me because clearly Carly knows everything. So she was telling me that because I was like, right up to the fucking pole that I can't park there and because I'm two wheels on the path I can't park there I don't carry will you tell them apparently I can't park there it's a regulation realistically you're really not supposed to park two wheels in your car so I'm going to be path. a bitter bastard and go around my field and call everyone out that so has that's two what wheels. I'm saying if some jumped up guard that hadn't gotten his hole in a while went around all housing estates and seeing all the cars parked up in the path realistically you could get a fine or you could end up cramped because it is illegal you're not supposed to and that again is for causing obstruction to... Yeah, my mental fucking health it caused an oh. obstruction to... The fucking bollocks as it is, I can't move my foot. Like, what do you expect me to do? And I feel like I'm the only one that can drive it because the clutch is going and so is the accelerator. Listen, you know what? You've probably done me a favour. Felicia is like the new hair be fully loud and now in the pound. So are you, are you abandoning her? Oh, Felicia is gone. Bye, Felicia. Bye. Literally, Literally. bye, Felicia. No. But other than that, we had loads of fun when we went to the pictures. Yeah, well, I was very tired now. Before that, we went to get lovely fishy food. And fishy food makes me sick, the smell of it. But I actually love the taste of it. It's the weirdest thing ever. I you can't hate the idea of it, but you love the taste of it. It smells disgusting. It's really disgusting, <laughs> it. it really is. No, no he does He does be gagging when I, mean, I put the plates on the we table We pulled into the house and I was like, huh? And she's like, what are you fucking being a dramatic? I was like, the smell of shit out here is disgusting. <laughs> And whoever that family was sitting in the rain in the middle of no lane, like just sitting in the in the lane way with our family eating food and the pissings around. It was torrential. And there so was just, just people there, on the floor. Sitting on the floor. Fish. Open view to everyone just sitting there. Mad random people. Anywho. But yeah, then we went to Elvis and Elvis is very long, lad. So and Carly went to see it twice. Did you not love it? No, I did. Like honky tonking all over the fucking cinema now. Well, come on, Carly. <laughs> I that was not often all. It's like three hours or something, is it? It's two hours, 40 minutes, and that's only the cinema version. The director is bringing out a four-hour version. Oh, your Stephen's going to be jumping I around the house. Oh, my God. He's got a hunger, hunger born alone. He's, <laughs> like now. He's going to see it for a tour time next week. No. He's had to see it twice in the cinema you're already. Gonna go, you're going to be whipping shit up. I, went Probably. I literally popcorn. said it the other day, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I will go again. No, but I, like, I love a good film. So I'm at the scene, Elvis twice, and the other week I went to see Top Gun twice. Now, for <laughs> obvious reasons, Tom Cruise is a little sauce spot and see Miles Teller. Who's that? Oh my days. He plays one of the main characters, and I won't even get into the story. Right. You've obviously never seen Top Gun, have you? No. Sinful. But anyway, all the me? lovely men. I go and see it no, again just to look at them. I promise to God, all the lovely men. So Miles Teller is rooster in it. And there's a lovely man called Hangman. And he looks like a <laughs> lovely little Swedish man. He has blonde hair and blue eyes. And I just love him. And yeah. Anyway, everybody has been messaging and asking us for a more in-depth episode about me and Sean's like 
basic life stories really because we didn't realise that we'd get so many new listeners for the podcast just from the no, charts. No, 10,000 followers on the fucking oh, page. God, what insane. the fuck? So thank you so much. But there's a lot of people that have follow, followed us just from the charts Are they seeing like a bit, an article online and stuff and they mm-hmm. didn't know who we were and they actually didn't follow us on social media so they wouldn't know an awful lot about us and it's been requested that we get into it. So, Sean, I just want to know like what makes you you and why you are the way you are and just everybody's obsessed with you like you're such a huge personality and look at me I know I'm like <laughs> everyone loves me everyone loves me but like what made you this way like did you always think that you were going to be such an out there person did you always think you'd end up I think like I've always kind of wanted it like from growing up obviously I've I've like kind of you with tension. Yeah. Like that's how remember the first time we were like now who's who's more in our group like kind of thing. So I didn't tell why we love each other because now we don't give a flying fuck. We're very yeah, tired. Yeah, but we, essentially it was probably a dominating thing. Yeah, basically. But then like growing up, like I kind of we feel like we'd have a similar but different kind of environment growing up. So their childhood was kind of just one big blow for me. And I just now that I have a look, I had to go out and just do my bits. Like I was a happy child. That's yeah. all I need to know. Was grand. You had a nice like. I was just always yeah. out, out, out. But I feel like after there was kind of like a divide, my dad was kind of gone for a little bit, it was gone missing. So with that divide then, I just feel it kind of kept me babied all my life and I didn't get the feeling to grow. Do you think that affected your like development per se? Like what did you feel like I when your dad I just felt like I was left sheltered in the house and it was, it was kind of like, you know, the baby's crying and it's like, oh, you know what? When they're in their nannies, like give them a bit of chocolate, that shuts them to fuck up, kind of thing. I felt like that's what it was. I felt like I was just giving things to be like, whatever way, keep, whatever keeps them happy and whatever. Like, you are fobbed off. I was a just fobbed bit. off. Like, do you get me? So, like, the little family puzzle that was all put together was kind of gone. So, my ma had to do what she used to do to keep her two boys there. But then also, my brother had to step in to kind of be the father figure to me, even at a young age. But he didn't really know what was kind of going on. So, would Keith essentially of being your like little role model? Now, even though he wanted to punch the <laughs> fucking head off me, because he's six years older than me, so like yeah. my mom was like, "Yeah, I have to take him out, give me a few minutes peace." And he's like, "Oh no!" And then like kind of growing out, or kind of going out with him, and like all the lads were like, "What the fuck is he doing here?" And he's like, "Listen, it is what it is." Playing football, this and that. He and tried to integrate you trying in to with integrate his friends. Yeah, because would you have had a big friend group growing up? Um, like we we're just kind of the avenue. And it was kind of just me, the flats, Avenue on the flats kind of thing. Right. And then that was really more or less it. And then it'd be just football. And then cry. Don't ask me why I fucking went to cry. That's because I still wouldn't be able to fucking kick snow off the rope. But oh, he liked to keep an eye on you, basically. liked to keep an eye out. So then, obviously, growing up, he was kind of like the father figure that was there. So I was like, how can I get, and I get validation off that person to love me that bit more? Because... Me actual so you like the first man that loved me was me that second one was Keith but he's gone missing now and I'm like oh my god so I've only got another one so I was like so much just had to disappear and so with that I joined football and I Keith was a fucking superstar like next level like as in on the wall every single thing we had him out there was photos of him he's getting trials for England everything and then I was a fucking psychopath and he killed me one time so I booted the shin and like broke his shin for like weeks and then he couldn't do all that but look wow. he could have done that if he wanted to but then he didn't but I kind of more or less essentially fucked him up but um, I always kind of felt like I was being comparing myself to him like I was good at it I had players of the year but it was never good enough for me because when I had the player of the year I was like oh I always want to be in the paper I want to be something like that so then eventually like the whole shelter life I was like you know what fuck this I'm not living anyone else's dream I was like I'm doing me I was like so the dream for me was living key stream through football and I was like so it's time for me to step out of this Did you feel like like everybody expected you to be like Keith or do you think that you put that expectation on yourself? I put that expectation on myself Right. I was like, oh my God, I was like, how can I make me, little, like, my brother, I was like, he's my best friend, I was like, how can I make him so happy? I was like, I'll do football, because I know he loves it. So I was like, if he sees me doing football, I was like, it's something to bond over. But just kind of like, fit in, Just yeah. to fit in, and just kind of feel like, oh, I have something with the lads then, because I always felt, like, out of place, because I knew I was, like, a little bit gay here and there. Obviously, the more I grew up, I was like, oh, uh, I was like, I don't really know even how to talk to these on the team. I was like, I'm just the girls get me and I was like that's what it is yeah. like it's like girls like you get along better with lads yeah. kind of thing do you yeah. get me 100%. but this is what it was and I was like oh bollocks but then I started finding my feet and I was like you know what fuck this and then I was like I'm going to join basketball so I joined the girls team in basketball what major because I think it's bizarre right it's not. It's obviously not an outside thing but is that like the dominant sport in your area is what I'm saying like no, basketball no it's the strangest thing ever so it was strange. just like I think we knew the girls at this time that were playing basketball or something mm-hmm. 
it was me, Brad, and Shannon then. So me and Brad Banner were like inseparable, and so were Shannon and then Aoife and all. So we're just this, this inseparable group. I think Shannon and Aoife joined basketball, and that's how it kind of went together. Yeah. So then we missed a training session, and he was like, no, no. He was like, you're not going to be playing for three weeks. I was like, we missed a training session. Like, I'm... What do you mean we can't play a match? So I was like, fuck you, I'm not bleeding going back to you. So then I think that was like the stepping stone to me. But like, oh, I'm not living Keith's life anymore. I was like, fuck this. I'm doing what people treat me like shit. Right. So I was like, I'm stepping out and living my own dream. So I went to basketball and I had to join the girls team for a while until the men's team, well, boys team, whatever, was yeah. set up then. But then I was like, oh my God. I was like, oh, I'm actually 10 times better at basketball than I am football. Literally a little So super I was like, I don't have, I'm not, like I've physically been known as Sean Phibbs and not been known as the faggot or the goofy little kid or the wrecked ahead. head. Oh, you're not Keith's little brother. I was not Keith's little brother. I was like, I'm Sean Phibbs and people know me from that. So it's like when you kind of more or less were in your dancing and like we kind of love the attention and it's like, that's me safety net. So it's like, I'm going out and you know you're going to do bomb because you're like, I feel like I'm two steps ahead of everyone. I felt like I was always like two leagues ahead of everyone. And I was like, no, I'm going to be top scorer or I'm going to do something spectacular someone's going to talk this about. This drove you. This was your motivation. Like, me. loved that. And I loved it. And then Keith loved to watch me. He's like, you're just an animal. He's like, I physically now I didn't have to go watch you to be like, you needed me there. He's like, you just done all this by yourself. It's like, you went to these camps, you get two buses out and he's like, you just built yourself up into this fucking warrior. And he's like, I'll never forget watching that. And he's like, it's just unbelievable. And I knew since then that he was like, yeah, he's like, you're just Sean fucking Fabes and you're known for this. So. And how did you feel to get that validation from your brother? From like, you brother. sought this for so long by doing football, by doing but little sport. did you know, by little being did you. Little know I was doing it. And like, now that I think back on it, I was like, now I'm living someone else's dream. Yeah. But like, amazing. Obviously, he's my best friend and like, and he ha- still has my best interest at heart. And obviously, growing Always older. Always will, yeah. It's just, the bond is going to keep growing. So to hear little things like that and, how amazing you're doing previously and I will always talk about the same story about the same match that you came to watch and he's like you're just an animal and he's like no one will ever take it back from you that kind that of stuff resonates it's along. always there but you got it by being you got not by, by following his dream by following your own so yeah with me dad not being in the picture for a while I was like bollocks so I was like what am I supposed to do so I was like, I just had that little father figure there. But like it was, but like, like it's just, my mom just kept me sheltered and baby for my whole life. So I literally felt like I only kind of more or less started growing after basketball. Yeah. If you yeah. get me. And then skill was a whole different fucking ball game. Now, do you think your ma had an idea? Obviously, you were quite feminine and living. Oh, yeah. living well, doing the splits on holidays now, I was about five hours doing that in front of people. With do you get me? Mushroom haircut. So, in front of obviously, everyone. you're living in a working class area. Dreaming is solid. Do you know solid. what I'm saying? Like it is. So, your poor ma's going, oh, if I let him out that pox road. And then, say, if Keith was able for himself and able to handle himself, like people are probably kind of get a buzz oh, out of picking at well. you. Yeah. But that's but what that I'm saying. Being like, oh, you Keith's well. little brother. Do you know that? I, I, say, yeah, was probably shit. when I went out with his group, he was like, I think that was the first time I heard someone call you. Like a faggot we knew. But he's like, what's that fucking faggot down? And Keith just had murder with his friend. So he's yeah. like, no, fuck that. And he's like, and it was always, uh, since then, he's like, I'm going to keep taking him out. And he's like, if you want to keep calling him faggot, I'm going to keep punching him I'm going to dance you. on you every time and you he's do like, it. he is who he is. He's like, so just leave him be. He was like, you're a fat cunt, but you don't see me saying that to you kind of thing. Do you get me? Like, oh, that's very rare for a young flit, especially in that area growing up and that age, to uh, turn around and say, listen, that's little, my, my little brother and I'm, yeah. he is who he is and that's the way well, it I is. I didn't know this because I was like, everything was just a blur. I just yeah. knew what I was doing. And <laughs> I was like, like did, 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 I'm still trying to picture corner. everything as I'm talking, but I was like, everything was a blur. I just know I had a ball. Yeah. But like, even in school, like, I still seeking validation because you're like oh fuck it's a mixed skill and I was like what have I been the lad with what have I been the class with all the lads and I was like oh how do I speak to this without sounding like a fucking tick or like being in a shell and be like oh my god am I saying the right thing it was it was a loss so I'd act out differently your worst nightmare is being made a show off being made a show off I was like I'm actually a lovely human being now in scale I was a bollocks but I felt like if the only way to kind of get seek or get validation from other people to like me was if I was the class clown. You were like, if I get you forced, yeah, you can't go We're like that me. anyway still. If we slag ourselves forced, but, but you can't get me. that is a wall, John. That is a defence mechanism to fuck. And yeah. you're quite like that even still now. Like, oh, well, I'm going to slag you forced before you even dare open them out about yeah. me and I'm going to put you off it. So do you feel like that was kind of your journey in school? That is that me. I'm going to get you before you get, get me? I'm going to get you before you get me. That's what I've just fucking been learning. But like, it's just different. Like, it's it's 50-50. And then obviously being great at sports, I feel like I can do everything. Like literally ice skating backwards, roller skates, well I can't do that with my ankle, but I could do everything. So I was like, forced up for Pedro, like he's a little fucking skit. So I was like, grand, they love me for this. Like badminton, all them, like it was just sports that would brought me into physical activity, So yeah. I was like, grand, I was like, if I just keep being good at this, I was like, everything will be normal. And I was like, and then if I give a funny joke here and there, even if it was the wrong joke, and I apologise growing up because I did hurt some people. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know what I was doing, it was just my safety net, like falling back to slag people, and I know it's the wrong thing. So but your mouth goes I, ahead of you, and I'll I didn't. Know time anything. without you even realising I don't, you know I don't think before I speak yeah. 
still down sometimes, but yeah, but we're learning, lads. But so it was just a lot growing up then with that. And then eventually, after school, I went on my first holiday, that was whatever. And then that was just like kind of more or less getting to know myself. It was the first time I was away from. Like, no, I didn't have sex on him. But no. I, oh, I was like, here, I was like, here it is, lovely boys. I was like, because growing up, like I said, I don't remember much from yeah. family holidays other than being a bollocks with Anna. I was like, oh, I was like, he's a lovely man there. Lovely and English man with Is this off. around when you were 15? When you. No, this is when I was 17. Right. Because you said school. you only kind of realised fully you were gay when you were 15. About wasn't 15, it? yeah. yeah. Um, and then after that, I was like, right, I came home, then I had trials for a scholarship for basketball. Right. So I got my scholarship for basketball, and I was like, you know what? It's the scariest thing I ever done, getting accepted into it. And I was like, look, it's either you move now or your scholarship's over. Like, you can come to Plymouth, and you can go to university, and you can do your sports uh, therapy and whatnot in college. And I was like, oh, bollocks. I was like, now I was like, where's, where? I was like, can my brother come? I was like, can my ma come? Do you know what I meant? Oh, I felt like, I just yeah, felt like a little, board. I felt like Bambi. Yeah. I was like, no, I can't walk. I was like, I can't do this. My ma was like, fucking do it. And my brother was like, if you don't do this, he's like, that's just done. He's like, this is what you set out to do. Right. He's like, this is what makes you Sean. He's like, this is what makes you comfortable. He's like, so why not do that every single day? And he's like, and just be yourself, but 10 times better. Yeah. And he's like, you'll find yourself. So I felt like I was like, I done the scholarship, by the way, lads. Moved over to Plymouth, brought about seven suitcases. And I didn't realise back then because <laughs> I know, like you. didn't have a fucking um, a pot to piss in. But I was like, my mash is going to pay for it. The scholarship people are. It was about 140 hours. I had to pay for my suitcases to get added on. <laughs> God. No, God love her. Um, but went over there and I felt like I was living like a Hannah Montana world. Right. I felt like Hannah Montana was Dublin. And okay. everyone knew who Hannah Montana was, but no one knew who Sean Pibbs oh was God. over there. So and that's I a culture shock. Not a culture shock. I'm saying a culture shock. No, that's a shock to the system for you. System. Because you're so used to everybody knowing you, yeah. being friendly with you. And then so, you go over here and you're just, you're just little Sean. Just little Sean. So I was like, you know what? I was like, lad, you're literally the director of your own life. So that's what I was like. I was like, this is my new little play. I was like, it's a blank canvas. And I was like, oh, I'm going to direct it the way I want it to be. So I was like, I'm now I'm gay. I was like, these people don't know me, so yeah. they're just going to assume it anyway. So if they say it, I'm just like, yeah, it is yeah, what it is. Experience. But it was because I didn't know them, and I was like, they didn't grow up with me all my life to like bring up these memories or nothing. It was just literally, hey, I'm Sean, and I was like, yeah, this is what it is. So I felt like I wasn't being George or yeah, seeking anything, yeah. got to do with anyone. So I felt great. I felt like the whole weight that was on my shoulders from childhood, everything going up, I was like, that whole thing is just taken off me. So, it, like, I just wouldn't really notice, but yeah, then I met Alex over there and he was like one of my good friends and he was like, Sean, I think I'm gay. And he was like, I know you are. And I was like, oh, another gay person. I was like, so yeah, I was like, both of us are gay. Didn't get to do that. And then he was fucking hot as fuck. But anyhow, just good friends. <laughs> I miss you. <laughs> You're in Sydney somewhere on the road, you psycho. But come on. Um, yeah, so that was that. And then I was like, right, then I could actually breathe that bit more. Yeah. I felt like I was fucking meditating all over there. I was like, I was just going through a little journey of life. And I was like, no, this, that was you really accepting this yourself, Sean, for your finding myself. Time. And I was like, right. I was like, Oh my! I was like, I feel like this is it. I felt like I needed to do the six months. And I was like, now I'm fucking done with this. Walking in the round at five in the morning for 40 minutes to go to training. But I'm on a scholarship, get me a bus. Yeah, yeah. And then I have to go to college in my damn clothes. And I was like, this isn't for me. Plymouth was a fucking dive. It was literally it. like the eyelac, English trimmed everything all into one. I'm not to get the shiver down No, it was awful. It was awful. And I was like, no, fuck that. So then I found out then that my mom was working day in, day out, that the scholarship wasn't being funded the way it should have been. Right. So she was keeping me out there and I was like, no, I was like, that woman's bollocks as it is. It's like she had to work in about fucking 42 years of my life already. It wasn't for me. And then when I heard that about my mom, I was like, we don't have money. I was like, I know we get by and like, Back then we did, and I was like, but we get by now. And I was like, no, I can't have her struggling for seven days. Yeah. Like working. So I was like, that was another big, another big step in town. I was like, found who I am. Thanks, Plymouth. I know I'm yeah, gay going home. Up. Yeah. But then before I went home, I went to like a gay club with Alex, and I was like, hashtag UK gay, hashtag gay boy, hashtag gay and all. And then I knew Keith would see it. Yeah. So I knew he'd like train it into me, man. I'd be like, right, he finally accepted oh, himself. Bless. So it was another thing. I was like, right, he'll do it for me. And then I went home, but I didn't say to them, and Keith knew. So did you not, you just put this up on oh, Instagram? I just put this on Instagram trying you to get a lovely You didn't discuss Eng- this with anyone. Trying to get an English guy. I was like, hashtag gay. Hashtag literally, I am gay, lads. So that was that. And then when I came home, Keith was just more or less like, love you, hug you, blah, blah, blah. And then that was like, nothing talked about. It was like, we already knew, like, kind of thing. But he didn't say anything. He's like, I'll let you say it. There was no big drama. It was no just. No big drama. And then I was just so fucking tired. Shock. I was very tired after shopping. Yeah, well, I was very And tired, I came baby. in and it was bitter balls out. And it's the one thing I miss most about getting the bathroom done up. Me bath, me bath is gone. I used to have a bath literally, no, morning, noon, night. I'd have a bath for about three hours with like a little glass of wine and yeah. whatnot. 
but came home and I was like, Ma, very cold out. I was like, now have you got enough hot water for a bath? And I was like, she was like, yeah, come on. I was like, now listen, I know you know I'm gay, so I'm bringing the shopping bags upstairs. I said, you do you. And then I came like, back down. Like, what a way to bleed and integrate that into the that conversation. And then I just came down the stairs after about five hours later. So I said, she was like buzzing because she's a nosy rose. Yeah. Like, I was like, she, she was like just sitting outside waiting to ask me something. And she's like, I'm so proud of you and I love you. And she's like, nothing will ever change kind of thing. And then me da, now this is a whole different ballgame. She told him, I was like, no, let me tell Sorry. him. And I was like, I know you already know. I was like, it's just me accepting me and I need to tell you. But wasn't I fucking on the way home from a night out? And at this time, I think you could have two drinks when you were driving. Right. So I was like, no. I said, you know what? I said, I'm not even having one. And this lovely married man that used to be seeing me broke my heart. He bought me one and then bought me another one. I said, I don't want that. I, was, I had a good feeling. I was like, no, I don't want that. So I was driving home and I was like, bloop, bloop, bloop. And I was like, what the fuck? <gasps> and her breath lies in me, standing me on the side of the road in me mouth's little bubble. And I was like, no, fuck this. So I rang me man and dad. My dad was just laughing in the background. He's like a simple bastard. And I was like, well, like, what? I was like, I didn't have a drink. Just as well. Because yeah. I'd fucking dive on one. And um, went home. And he was just sitting in the bed laughing. And I don't know if they were getting hanky-panky up there. Because they're in bed very early. Dirty <laughs> up all night. Was, uh, but uh, he was like, love you so. I'm very proud of you and all. And it's just, ever, it's just been accepted ever since. So... Seeing as the puzzle piece are all back together and me not having to seek validation off of anyone. Obviously, I want it from my family because they're my best friends. Oh, of course. You so want people to be proud of you, the people you love to be proud of you. The tour puzzle piece was like, bing. And it was like, you don't need to seek validation off anyone but yourself. And that's it. And it's like, people don't love you for you. Keep doing you anymore because realistically, you're the only one that has your own back. So that was just a huge stepping stone. Huge stepping stone. And sound. you were saying about that person, um... Because, like, I think that we're just an amalgamation of lessons and feelings that we have learned from people that from have came people, into our lives. Like you were so, saying. what you're saying about the lovely man that broke your heart. Yeah. And that was obviously your first Towards experience one. of. And because everyone wanted him, so I wanted him more. Do you think him. that shaped you in any sort of way and your belief about uh, relationships? Why I'm still and, single. But this is what I want to yeah. ask you. No, that wall was. What up. did that do to you? Oh, like, I was just, like, mind fucked. I just remember dropping him off to his nannies, and I was like, no, listen. And he was like, what? And he was like, I love you. I was like, oh, you love me? I was like, I love you. And he was like, he's like, but, he's like, I don't think I can do this. And I was like, oh, no, I was about to tell you I love you more. I was like, can you leave your husband for me? Expecting at the age of 18. And he was like, no. But I do see him the odd time out, and it's still fine, and it's all civil. And I was like, you know what? I was like, you're only 18. He's a few years older. I was yeah. like, you didn't see it from that point of view. You just didn't love. You can't be ashamed I was like, of that. I finally accepted who I was. And I was like, now I'm like letting someone in. And I was like, the very person who it is, not fucking girl anyway. But I was like, now moving forward, I was like, oh, God. And then I think that's why the wall and the barrier has been up ever since. And I've, do you think like that happening all them years ago, that is still why your barriers are? Oh, that why the Great Wall of China. Keep walking. No, it's not. Like, it's just as well. Instagram has another big deal. Like, has a, like, older man. I'm like, no. I'm like, what if I'm bringing someone out and someone's running over to me? And I've just, I know I'm still seeking validation from that as well. And, like, it's, it's just hard. I keep thinking, what if, what if, instead of just fucking doing it? Ah, oh, yeah. Like, you would rather I, not go on a date in town with somebody. I'd rather not go on a date because I don't want to accept divorce of it because I'm just like, oh, I'm actually a really nice person. And I was like, but someone just love me for me. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
But I feel like, Sean, with you as well, like we said about the whole skill situation, um, you do have this thing of if you even slightly, it's like an inferiority complex. It's like what I struggle with. If you even slightly make me feel like you're talking down to me or you're going to make a show me, I am going to attack you. (laughs) So do you think that sometimes if you even, I think that like that because of the hurt that you experienced with that married man, I think that you live in like a paranoid state that you think that people are just coming at you to try and hurt you rather than to enjoy it and your time. And then Instagram didn't help as well. Obviously, when you got that a bit of abuse, like I know you get 99 good messages, but that one message, you're like, no. Everything you wanted to feel, you're like, yeah, I am that person. I am. And I, I know think it's people hard. take you quite literal as well on Instagram, and I think that's very unfair because you, you're a slag ambassador. We yeah. all are. Like, any single person that has a platform like that, they're all I very Disney princess online. Out, like, no, but what I'm saying, they're all very Disney princess online, and they're all very careful about what they say. Sean, you just come out with what you say. Yeah. You don't mean any viciousness or malice behind you. Even when you're saying, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Yeah. It's all from a humorous point of view. It's never from a fucking vicious point of view. Obviously, although you do get wound up sometimes. <laughs> but... That's your humour and and that's the way you are. So when people start fucking dissecting what you're saying and oh well, like that. When you peel back the onion, like the little layers of it. People just go at you for ridiculous reasons. Like it's lighthearted. The internet isn't so fucking serious all the time. Like stop looking for reasons to try and try and put people down basically. And you get it a lot. I get it a lot. When I'm feeling like that way, I don't know what it is. Like obviously Instagram was like, that was the next kind of big thing. Like, I know, like, the little puzzle piece came together and I didn't have to seek it anymore, but I still didn't know. How did your Instagram go off and how did you end up with that amount of followers? COVID. No, but you had, Sean, you had an awful lot of followers as well before COVID. I've nearly 10k, I think. Is that all you had? I've nearly 10k. You had more than me. Oh, I know, at one stage. Katie had more than me. And I was like, no, fuck off. I keep doing these videos and the people keep jumping up hundreds. I was like, no, I'm getting four bleeding months. I said, nah, nah. But that's another big thing that happened as well. So when them followers started going up, did you say, I can do something with I this? I was like, I'm actually loved. I was like, so love your fucking self. I was like, because if this amount of people love you, I was like, why can't you? Do you get me kind of yeah, thing? Yeah. So that was another like huge step and sound. And this is where I'm at today. Like, obviously, we still have our like little panic attacks here and there and overthinking. 100%. But we're still grown. And I think I've grown so much in the past two years of who I'm actually You're a physically complete am. different person from the time I met and you, And I know Sean. me worth now. Ah, so 100%. the next person I'm ready to settle down and get married I'm just saying okay because I don't need someone else but you've grown up so much in the time that I've met you even your views and values and like the way remember we were talking about certain situations and you're like well Kylie I'm not in a position to discuss that with you and very HR like Kylie that's <laughs> not my business to disclose and I'm like no do you know what Sean Fair played you because two years ago you would have sang like a fucking canary oh I would have been literally you would have Sean you really would have and one thing now I know is that I can tell you and I can trust that it's not going to mm-hmm. go past you whereas two years ago I didn't have that confidence no. in you but you have grown so much as a person I think you've become more compassionate to people I think that you're just grown for the better and it's lovely to see my lovely friend doing that and I'll know that you say that now that you would have sang from the fucking rooftops I'll never forget I outed someone even though I knew I was gay oh. I didn't mean to do it I said it to our group of friends right and I still want to apologise to this day because I won't like that's you only find yourself and you're like, no, I actually think I am. So she confided in me. And I just want to say, I'm so sorry if you are listening or if it does get back to you. I didn't mean any maliciousness behind it. And it was just me. That was my safety blanket. Now his eyes are watching. He's that well. back on. I know, but I'm just so sorry. And I just made your fucking life a living hell because it came from everyone else other than you telling people how you felt. Oh, and I'm so sorry. I really am. But and I love you. And I always will. And I hope we can get back friends. Oh, no, no. I'm no, actually I really not well. No, I'm but Sean, that's what I mean. Like, whereas before you would have been like, yeah, well, I said it and that's what I said. I and I didn't mean it. And if they want to think that I meant that that way, they can. But you, like, you're literally sitting here crying. <laughs> you are not that person anymore. And no, you, like I, I said. Mean, that's what I'd love them to understand. But it's like, the road is still there. And I know it's so many years ago. But I'm like, like I always hope myself in their shoes. You're empathetic. You're, you're compassionate. You're one. feeling but I for everybody. But I always hope myself in their shoes. And I'm just honestly so sorry again. Going forward, what? do you want for you what can we expect from Sean Phipps in say I'm not asking you for a five year plan because I think that's ridiculous oh my god people do that but going forward what what are you interested in and what would you like to dip into in, in a career aspect like what would you love to do I don't and I still don't even know lots like There's I love no doing my little sketches and you do get a good bit of money off I don't worry you do be taxed a bit but still um I honestly just like seeing like you one day being like, you know what, I fucking have a cancer thing. I was like, no, bollocks that. I was like, life is for fucking living. 
So I just hope I'm fucking happy. And the five years down the line, I'm just living life and I'm still doing me. Like, what's the point in having a hundred grand in your bank? And I get it if you have a hundred grand and that way it should get through whatever. But like, if you die the next day, a hundred grand's gone to shit. Whereas like, you get the fucking money back, you don't get the memory. So this is what I've been learning. I mean, my ma loves that and she's like, you're younger me and I love hearing that. She's like, you just fucking keep going and going and going. So to be so restricted with this boo is a lot of shit. So basically, I'm just going to be a little happy me and I'm hopefully not in Dublin and I'm in London somewhere. I won't be in Australia because I'm saying that about 12 years. Yeah, you're saying I, that about 12 years. I would have eventually went. I'll visit with you, but we're not going to live there. We know that. We so, know that. Yeah. But now I'm not going to ask you that question. Yeah, like I don't find myself overly interesting. But apparently everybody else does and wants to know the ins and outs. Um, so basically, I trumbled down my ma in 1994 singing <laughs> and dancing. And I haven't stopped. No stage kids. Yeah, haven't stopped singing and dancing since. Um, I always loved attention. I always loved making. What? You love attention? <laughs> I always loved making people smile. Or, like even now making people laugh just means the world to me. Like that just really is something that makes me feel alive. And I know that's ridiculous, but. That's just how I feel. Um, uh, my early life like that just consisted of school, dancing, you know, out just playing on the road. Yeah, just carrying on. Like, I wasn't even... The gas part is, I wasn't even a bowl child. Just I, a bowl, like just yeah, go, yeah. go, go. And um, so we ended up getting fucked to glass and having to go to school because <laughs> <laughs> there was a school bus and we used to get brought on the school bus and it suited all of our mas and dads because they were all working at the time. So we got sent to glass and having rather than going to the school around the corner. So I picked up a little posh accent for myself, didn't I? In Go going on, to school in glass and having. So no. So when I came back and I was palling around on the roads in Finglas, all of the kids that went to the school around the corner, I was like, well, why do you sound like that? Why don't you go to air school? Do you think you was a better than us? Do you know it was real one of them? Ended up getting like bullied and stuff And when you have red hair as a child Oh it's game over Oh my fucking god I don't know if it's the same in the posh areas But in a working <laughs> class area You are getting rinsed It doesn't even matter And of course My man never said to me before I went out playing on the road Carly you're a little red fuck You're gonna get absolutely <laughs> lashed out of it So when people start giving me abuse I lived like, like that A very sheltered life And I would it Like mm-hmm. palling around with friends That were quite quiet And like I used to sing in the church choir and I, yeah, I swear to God, and Sean, like they were all literally 60, 70, 80, and I was the only child. And I used to love going around to Little Doris and all, and I used to have a ball. So they were automatically, they were like, she thinks she's something like she's an oddball, this, that, and the other. So I got ripped asunder for being ginger, for being posh, for doing the little church plays and singing in the <laughs> choir. I got ripped. And then I remember I went into my mouth one day, roaring and crying. Screaming for oh man, dear out there, they're gonna kill me. I'm not gonna bat. I mean, my mad hunger and come in here, whinging again, and I'll burst your fucking neck. She said, So if they don't bat you, I will. She said, So come into me crying again. I swear to God, I'll break your nose. And I was like, Oh, well, I was more afraid of me mad than I was of them. Absolutely. So that quickly changed very fast. So, like that, I always got along grand and skill, as I said. Um, but as I got older I lived in a very hostile environment and obviously you don't notice that until you start to grow up a little bit and like I would have been on edge an awful lot of the time mm-hmm. I would have happened to walk on eggshells and I would have happened to be very careful about how I carried on mm-hmm. so when I was getting bullied on the road you're supposed to be able to go home and close your front door close behind front you and door. it'd be a safe place yeah. but it wasn't for me so I was frustrated at home I was frustrated at getting it out on the road exactly so when I went into school then Sean it was all coming out in school because when teachers were picking and prodding at me, yeah. I was like, well, you can't hurt me. You can't yeah, essentially yeah, yeah, do yeah. anything to me. If I so run amok in here, you're there. not going to do anything yeah. to me. So I used to be like, do you know what? Obviously, now looking back, I didn't know at the time that was what I was doing. It was a subconscious thing. Yeah. But now looking back, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I really did go in there and say, I don't get away with it anywhere else. So here's where I'm going to do it. So me school years then started to become very challenging for me because I was just... I had an inferiority complex and I, it's something I still struggle now with in my adult life. Again, I'm only unraveling an awful lot of stuff this year and seeing why I am the way I am. Um, I always thought that like people were looking down at nose at me and because I was inferior in different parts of my life, essentially, I always thought people were attacking me. So this is where this wall came from. Mm-hmm. And this is where this built up aggression came from. And my attitude, now don't get me wrong, I wasn't flipping chairs, I wasn't smashing windows. That wasn't how i done things. But I was just cheeky and my attitude was very cagey. You didn't know what way you were going to get me get on a day. You. you didn't know. Imagine Some days in school, if I was anything creative, it was got to do with singing, dancing, mm-hmm. PE, yeah, anything creative and physical. 
Yeah. I got along fantastically. Anything academic like that I had no interest in. You lost me. I started giggling and messing with me pals. Yeah. And again, I... I was a very easy standout figure to just, Carly, shut up, even if it wasn't me talking. Yeah. It was always, Carly, Carly, Carly. Are we very similar skill. Do you get me? Yeah. So I'd always flip the fucking lid and it made skill a very challenging time for me. And God bless them because that was actually a lovely skill that I had went to. There was great teachers in it, but there was also some fucking arsehole teachers that, thinking now, me at 27 years of age, if I was a teaching, if I was teaching a class full of children and I seen a child with an attitude like that, I'd kind of want to pull them to the side and be like, like look, what's going right? on? Yeah. Like, is there a reason why you come in some days and you're full of anger? Like, is there anything going on at a slide I can even help you with? Or is there, you can come into my class one day and say, listen, miss, I'm not the May West. Like, can you just lay off a little bit? I don't think that an awful lot of teachers approach it the right way. It was so easy to say, she's just bold and she's a little yeah. cunt. Do you know what I'm saying? She's a bad child. And I'll be like, yeah. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, listen, they had their own shit going on and I, I wouldn't have been... Although my ma's my best friend in the whole entire world now, growing up, I wouldn't have been... Not that I wouldn't have been close to my ma, I would have, and she'd done everything for me, and she was fantastic, mm. but I had an awful lot of resentment towards my ma because of the situation that we were in. And my ma spent so much time, again, now as an adult, I see, trying to keep the peace. Mm -hmm. I didn't see that as a child. All the time that my ma spent trying to keep the peace and trying to keep things at bay, I seen that as her... Not, not neglecting me, but I was like... You're not really taking up for me either. Yeah, Do you yeah, know what I'm yeah. saying? So I was like, and do you know what? I'm just going to fucking not tell you what, and I'm going to keep to myself. And again, all this resentment this, is building yeah, up in me. All this up. hurt is yeah. building up in me. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, then my ma got really, really sick. Um, it was kind of, I don't know where my ma's a hairdresser. So she was on her feet all oh, of her life from the time she was 16. Yeah, yeah. So she developed a disease called degenerative disc disease. It's where your spine starts so to disintegrate, disintegrate like a salpidin essentially <sighs> like our back just started to fucking disappear she was crumbling so she went in she had to have major surgeries on her back and she ended up in hospital for so many months at a time and uh, that meant that we were left with me dad now before I started saying this I should have really I wanted to say this I have no desire to disrespect anybody or to tear anybody with any certain brush and I want to be very mindful of how mm -hmm. I put this across because I'm not here to evoke anxiety in anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. And um, It's just your life. It's just my life. And I can't really explain to people why I am the way I am unless I tell unless these parts, tell the, the ugly parts. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So like that, my dad was brought up in a generation where parenting was very, very, very different. Mm -hmm. And um, he was the eldest of eight, which comes with an awful a lot, lot of baggage lot, from yeah. families that grew up in them times and like that they were from a working class area they were working class people and um, things were extremely different so to my dad um just being present in the household was was his job done mm -hmm. like he, yeah. they, there was food in front of you and you were dressed now don't get me wrong sean i had the best of fucking everything everything, everything. brand new tellies brand new psps that new came out brand new phone we had it now i just throw on your telly a psp and everything else actually if you just <laughs> had it i would have swapping that now oh. for essentially being able to sit down and talk and, and having that coming in after school and how was yeah. your day and how, how did you day? get on? Yeah. And, now, don't get me wrong. There was it, it was small talk. It was vague. And when my mum was in the hospital, then obviously my dad was just throwing her lunch at us and dear, I fed. Yeah. And I didn't have anybody to talk to. Mm -hmm. Nobody was asking me how I was getting on. And I know this sounds so stupid, but my mum made a deal with me when I was younger. I always hated my red hair and I always hated how long it was. It was down to my arse from the time I could fucking remember. And my mum always made a promise to me, if you kept your hair long, I'll always do it for you. I'll always wash it. I'll always blow dry it. I'll always do it for you. And she always had me hair and massive. And she still is doing it. Yeah, she still is still this day doing it. Um, what you call it, when she was in the hospital, I something so simple, but I couldn't handle couldn't, my hair. Yeah. And that broke my heart. And I just felt like I was going around scruffy. I had nobody to speak to. I missed me ma essentially because my ma was the wheel that mm -hmm. kept on spinning and spinning and spinning. Now the wheel just didn't slow down. The wheel was fucking gone. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just felt empty and a hurt so, so much. And I didn't realise again now in my adult life how much that had an effect on me and how quick I had to grow up for myself in a sense. Mm -hmm. So um, that had a huge effect on me. And when she came home then, obviously I had realised you've been very cold towards Emma for a long time. She was always so strong and this figure of strength. I never seen me ma cry. I never seen me ma struggle. Nothing yeah, my never. ma couldn't do. Nothing. Nothing. Not a single yeah. thing. And then she's after going into the hospital, essentially like a size fucking what, 16, 18. She'll bore me for saying that. And then she's after coming out a size four. 
like she was malnourished like there was nothing left of her like my ma didn't exist I went up to the hospital to see her one day and it was like I seen her one day all plumpy and chunky and funky and then I went in the next day and she's like a poxy corpse in the bed she was grey she had that many blood transfusions people was poking and prodding at her for so long like I was just like I don't even recognise her she's tiny she's so frail and that destroyed me because, like I said, my mum was always a pillar of strength to me. I never seen her struggle with so much as even lifting hand. Do you know what I'm saying? So that would have had a big effect on me. And then I started freestyle dancing, like disco dancing, and that completely changed. changed like that again, it helped me an awful lot because I I would have been like quite insecure myself, and I wouldn't have had an awful lot of confidence due to the environment that yeah, I was in. Just like me of basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it plays such a huge role in your development and you don't realise yeah. again until you're older. So my best friends at, at the time, uh, Kirsty Kelly and Jamie Kelly, uh, they introduced me to this dance and they brought me, it was out in Ballymun and I danced for Thomas Gately and Energy. Still to this day, Thomas Gately is the only adult that I have never <laughs> answered back. He's the only probably human being that I have never given cheek back to or answered back. Never in my life. And still to this day now, if Thomas stood in front of me and started at me, I wouldn't say that to him. I don't know what it is. It was just a presence that he had and it was a safe space for us to go in. Thomas always said, leave your fucking ego at the door. If anybody in here is scrapping, go up to the top of the class, sort your scrap out here, or fuck off out. You are all paying the exact same amount of money. You won't be making me uncomfortable. You won't be making any of your peers uncomfortable. You sort it here, or you get the fuck out. I don't care what you're paying. I don't care who your mother is. That's the way it is. So he was like your first adult, but treated you like an adult kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, like, it was yeah. the first time that an adult spoke to me and really treated me as... As a per as a person per se, like he really did. He acknowledged everybody. He was just great, and I felt that having that figure in my life was very important. So yeah, big up Thomas. Um, I done that for an awful lot of years. Travelled, couldn't travel at force with me ma. So Sharon Kelly oh. stepped in and was literally like me second ma. She brought me everywhere, never a fuss, never nothing. John people are like for fuck's sake, I have to bring this woman here again. Sharon offered to do everything. She done me hair, me makeup. If the kids was getting tanned on, I got done with them. Everything she done for me, and I idolized her for it. And essentially, without them bringing me into that world, I wouldn't have escaped an awful lot of what was going on in mm -hmm. my life. It got me away from an awful lot of trouble. Um, so yeah, that went on. Um, then you get into your teenagers and you're drinking and yeah, the boys are dear and yeah, you're wanting to be carrying on are. and fucking getting lost in fields and gargling and all the whole lot. And then essentially, like, things simmer down and. You don't really want to be fucking going oh, to your classes anymore. Yeah, yeah <laughs> literally. You don't want to be going to your classes anymore or anything. You just start to kind of grow up. Then, like, just start going out. You get your little boyfriends and stuff. Like that, I still had me first waiting. little... What? Still waiting for one. No. I had <laughs> me little first little boyfriend when I was 14. So, essentially, when people start poking at me about relationships, that's something I'll get into in a minute. Um... People need to remember that I have been in relationships and or seeing people from the age of 14. I'm now 27. <laughs> That's 13 fucking years, lads. So, so you never know who she's talking about. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> with the way I tell things, I like to think that nobody can ever make correlation between a person and a story because that's not my desire. But um, yeah, I just had a wall up. That was kind of as I got older and started to understand an awful lot of me surroundings and my environment. That was when the mental health problem started. So... I kind of would have been really bad when I was about 16. I got diagnosed with depression when I was 16. And my doctor was a fucking half a head. God love him, Jesus Christ. I always say this. It's like he wandered into the doctor's office and sat down and said, like, hey, is, I, I'm just here. And they just left him there. So he diagnosed me with depression, which was fair enough, and slapped me onto a high dose of antidepressant. Didn't explain to me that you can't have alcohol on this antidepressant. And like that, I went drinking with my friends on night. Oh my God, you are great. I went drinking with my friends one night. I blacked out now in the middle of one of um, my friends' fellas' parties. Uh, oh, so you're in a house? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I blacked out in front of everybody. Um, everybody was losing their mind. Everybody thought that I was took A. Everybody thought I was taking drugs. Now it was the fucking antidepressant. So, oh, God, they rang me mad and I'll collect me. It's fucking awful. It's <laughs> dreadful. They rang me mad to collect me. My mat clattered the head at me in front of the whole after trying to wake up. Oh, she's like, see, fucking her. She's locked. She's da, 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 da. She didn't know that I was actually. No blackout, no more. I was fucking smacked out of you. She didn't know that I was at the doubling up on me was antidepressant that day so she didn't realise that like this drink was at a fucking messing with it mm -hmm. and I genuinely did black out so the antidepressants actually done me worse than they done me good obviously there's different forms of medication and different types either agree with you or don't agree with you but I was never suicidal until I took antidepressants really? Like what? Like when you're taking them, like what does it, it, it so what like my doctor done was he slapped have? me in he slapped me in on a fucking high milligram 
of something that I had never taken before. You're supposed to, yeah, phase people into them. Do you know what I'm saying? And I remember I couldn't sleep, like couldn't sleep. I was wired 24-7 and I just felt so fucking down. Like, so, so down. And I got to the stage where I was just looking at it and I was like, sure, if I swallowed a whole card of that, like, do you know what I'm saying? It's mental because it's just a split second thing. It's like one minute you're doing something and then you're like, it's literally just in this two second split, like in your head. You're like, no, fuck it. Sean, it was devastating. So during them, I kind of went off the map for a while. I mm-hmm. locked myself in the room. Um, I Which didn't help. I wasn't working. Locked myself in my room. The only time I left it was to go to Tyler. Yeah. I just sat in my bed watching um, Skins, Shameless. <laughs> There's loads of television shows I can't watch anymore because they, they just bring, bring me back everything. to that time. So it was the UK Shameless, Skins, Stuff that I watched when I was knee deep in depression and skins didn't fucking help. No. <laughs> it fueled it. If anything, I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm Effie. I'm experiencing <laughs> oh, all these hardships and like almost glamorizes <sighs> mental health issues. Yeah. It does bring them to people's attention, but it almost made it like fucking cool. So I was kind of. Cool in your bedroom running on time. No, I just, I, I was like, I relate to this so much. Yeah. They understand, you know what I mean? And my ma didn't fucking get what was going on. She was like, she has everything. And yeah, again, no, but this, like is, that? this is old this generation. Is the they yeah. think that if you have an iPhone and a yeah. fucking good telly, bleeding 4K telly, you shouldn't be upset. That's not the case. So my ma used to get angry at me. You couldn't have feelings. Yeah, you were just she like, I'm still a baby on my life. You just me. feel like you're that fucking baby. Yeah. Still. And she could never understand why I was the way I was. And, I, well, it must be my fault. And I was like, this isn't about you, love. Yeah. As much as I look, it's actually fuck <laughs> it's all got to life. do with you. It's, it's problems that I'm experiencing. And I can't tell you why, because I'm navigating as a teenage girl, hormoned up to me pox, yeah. as well as fucking, <laughs> as antidepressants that I shouldn't have been at. Now, I did come off them the second I started feeling the way I was feeling, like I'm straight off them. But it took an awful lot of me life off me and to be honest with you an awful lot of people say about depression or PTSD or if you've experienced that traumatic throughout your life mm-hmm. you you do go blank I was disassociating Sean there's years and I mean years upon years of my life that I don't remember like I do not remember and it's devastating and it's because your mind is such a powerful place that it, n- it numbs you yeah. it, it drowns it out so you don't feel that pain so obviously you still feel the fucking pain but you can't remember what caused it so that was grand started to brighten up then towards the end of my teens um. Yeah, like I was doing my fire breathing all the whole lot, and I no, loved literally. that. Did you I had like a ball doing that. That was a lovely time again. It kind of reminded me so much of me freestyle. It's excuse me. That that's your safety, that's your safety blanket because you're like I'm so good at this, and it's like I'm not just that little bastard. It's like this is the talent I carry. This is what I know, what I can do, me. and I love performing, and I I just loved love the it. buzz of it. It love didn't matter it. if it was in a pub. It didn't matter if it was in a just big you huge and your club. own world. Gone there for a few minutes. Sean, I idolised it, and as well, after. yeah, I had like loads of people around me that I loved, and we all got along. We we were making money from it as well, yeah. so it was fucking great. Like it was a great time, and then my early twenties came about. Um, I ended up like that in a relationship for quite a while and only now again as an adult looking back that's when I discovered I I kind of knew in myself as well I had a vicious fucking codependency mm-hmm. a vicious codependency and um, because I had a wall up so much in my teen years when I ended up in this relationship I ended up kind of getting really soft yeah. so it was like the more the wall dropped the more the pain that the wall kept out simmered in and all of these just started flooding in yeah, yeah all of these like let's say daddy issues that yeah. I had yeah. were showing up in the relationship that I was in and it was I always seen love because of the environment that I grew up in as something you had to earn so I need to show them how great I am and I need to show them that I'm <laughs> worthy of love and I need to do this so they will care about me and like they won't just love me as I am so I need to prove it and I need to do everything for them so I need to spend for validation all. for every single oh, thing I, you I can't go to the fucking fridge without no, reassurance literally. it's ridiculous Is that bottle of water cold enough for you? Do you get me? No, I'm embarrassing I'll stand out in the cold. I'm getting a little bit better now but God love me at that stage like I just felt I had to tore myself inside out for someone to love me and obviously when you're doing that you kind of set a standard then that people get used to Yeah, and so people expect you to just be that way all the time. And I done myself a disservice like that. I started to believe that I was only good at supporting people. And because I never wanted to face myself, I found it really easy to delve into other people and their dreams and their goals and, yeah, yeah. and to push them. Because I didn't feel that I was worthy or that I deserved that love or that, or that support. They're looking for validation. They're yeah. all true. I, I didn't believe it. So I was like, well, I don't like myself very much, but I really like the person I that really I'm like with. So person. I'm going to put all my power into 
helping them and loving them and doing and everything and for them. And loved herself even 10 times more. Do you know what I mean? Like and uh, No, but at the same time, Sean, it's a very dangerous thing for me to have done. I should have never mm-hmm. placed all of my happiness in a person. That's an unfair thing to do to somebody in fairness in my view. It is an unfair thing to do. And I didn't realise I was doing it at the time, but I realise it now. Yeah. So I, I was wrong in that so sense. If someone had a told you back then, you'd be like, oh, maybe I don't. Someone could stick a book of your life down yeah, in front absolutely. of you now and you could read every single page of it and it won't make a difference. You have to go through and feel the hurt of situations to learn the lessons. Learn Something the lessons, has to resonate yeah. with you for you to learn mm-hmm. from it. You no, know, anybody can sit down in front of you and tell you the rules of life. You're not going to abide by them or it's not going to mean that to you unless you go through these situations and, and feel it. You're always just going to do what you want to do. As 100% well. always going to, fo- you're going to do what you see fit. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So um, I only look back now and realise how detrimental that was to my mental health and when you're no, giving and giving and giving and giving, right, you start to become resentful when people aren't giving the same yeah. back to you. When that exact energy isn't reciprocated, you start to resent someone. But again, I can't <laughs> demand someone else to be a certain way just because I am. The only person I'm responsible for in this life is me and my actions. Mm-hmm. I can't force anybody else to show up in a relationship the way I want them to. I can't. I can't wait for you to listen back to all this now. Oh my God, I'm going to feel No, sick. you're not. But I can't. She's taking her own advice when you do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I'm learning an awful lot. Like, whereas before I'd been like, they were a fucking arsehole. And anybody showed me like, yeah, they yeah. were a prick. And now I'm kind of looking at, well, Carly, you allowed it. Yeah, and yeah. and you put yourself in that situation. And it was evident You're vulnerable. What do you expect? Ah, everybody is in certain situations. But, um... Do you know what I mean? Like, and I've no badness towards anybody for it because, again, I'm a grown girl. It was my decision at the time. And and that's why when people bring up relationships, it's very difficult for me because... A uh, lot comes feeling in, like you were saying, since you're 14. Yeah, everything goes that's what I mean. Everything. It's 14 years worth of this, that and the other. And people always want to know your business. Every, and <laughs> your business. I've, but I have no desire to badmouth anybody because at a certain point in my life, these people that I've been with throughout the years made me happy. Yeah. And I think that you should have respect for that. Do you know what I'm saying? I really do think that. And when people are so quick to badmouth their exes and stuff, I'm like, do you know what? Maybe that's something you keep private for your close friends. And you don't get nothing out of it other than you fuck yourself up in the head. Do you know what I mean? Like if and it goes back to them, then it's just more drama and it's not going to be a talk, it's going to be a debate and then it's a load of fucking shite. This is it, but I could come on a podcast on and we could pop this out oh, tomorrow and be like, exes, this, that and the yeah, other. Yeah. And it's clickbait and it's going on and being like, she's going to rinse this person, yeah. that person. I would never fucking dare. Even if I feel indifferent t- mm-hmm. towards a person, trust me, I'll rip them. But to me friends and me family, not on a podcast for people. Now bear in mind, it's not just people that enjoy it. People that highly dislike you mm-hmm. to come on and listen to what hurt you and what damaged you and to have something against you. Fuck off. I think I am too. <laughs> Good one. So... That's why I, I steer away from speaking about past relationships. An awful lot of the time, even if I don't speak to that person anymore, I... Just a close friends kind of know the main Ah, yeah, of course, of, of any But like, you wouldn't open up, like, if you were drunk to someone. No, no, I'm not one of them. Down, I'm like, no, shut I w- the fuck up. I would never do like that. Like you said, they only, like, they'll pretend to like it, but they know everything about you now. Ah, people are sitting rub your back yeah, and yeah. all my... I always said that you should have never no. been with him. So where were you? Where were you? Why is your mouth so big now? Why are you so loud now for when I'm finished with him? If you felt like you wanted to save me and protect me from this horrible person, yeah. where the fuck were you? So don't Speak do up. that. Do you know what I'm saying? But like, and I've also an awful lot of respect. My voice is shaking and all. No, I've also an awful lot anxious of, yeah, squeezing the hands respect the for um, people that I was in relationships, regardless of whether I speak to them or not anymore, their families. Mm-hmm. I would have built very strong connections, even with people I was seeing throughout the years, their families, and they mean the world to me. So I'm not going to get on and start ripping their fucking family members asunder when I still have a connection with them and it, it's important to me. To respect them as well. Do you know what I'm saying? It's it's a funny one. Um, so mental health wise, do you feel like maybe you should kind of take yourself out of the situation with family if it was like kind of toxic or what? No. Did it? No, Sean. And I've, I've had do this. I think it's always going to bring you back. No, no, I don't. I Not when you grow and you heal within yourself. I don't believe that. I know that people say an awful lot of the time, listen, if you don't break away from them, you're not going to break away from the person. Mm-hmm. I believe that if you do the healing and the inner work that you have to do, because I'm not Bit willing to leave. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> willing to leave connections behind with people that I genuinely build something special with and that I love. And I'll always be there for. Yeah. For Again, an awful lot of people that come in and out of my life, their family members are fucking brilliant and I'm still close to them. So I'm not willing to cut that off for the sake of ending up back in a situation with someone like you're grown now. Mm-hmm. You should be able to be civil with people, regardless of whether it ended well or not. You know well, what I'm that saying? Depends. Depends. But any.
anyway, after reg- after fucking relationship thing, obviously another huge part of my life was I had like a little bit of a mental breakdown in 2019. 100% like full sure I had a mental breakdown. <laughs> I felt in... How would you say, I don't know, come on. No, like I feel good now. I'm no, getting I mean there. like regarding back then like... Oh God, t- 2019 was the worst year of my life. Oh my God. Is this when we were fully dying? Yeah, yes. yeah. But it was, that wasn't it. So I had a bit of a depressive episode coming on from the summer of 2018 and I felt it coming. And I could feel myself getting worse and worse. I could feel my mental health spiraling. I, I reached out. I told people. Nobody seemed really interested at the time. And I just felt it getting worse and worse. And I was putting myself on the back burner. Always put myself mm-hmm. on the back burner. Everybody but me was important at the time. And then it was like the kindest started 2019. I just had a break. And I was like, I had been experiencing the pains in my chest from the summer of 2018. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I, I was putting them off. So I knew that I wasn't well in the head and I knew that my body didn't feel right. So that was when I went to the new doctors, explained my mental problems and I explained oh. my physical problems with my chest. Throughout that summer, it was kind of like the start, middle of June, I fucking broke. Oh God, I broke. Like it was phenomenally bad. Um, I knew that everybody was talking about me. And I, people were sending me messages on Instagram, vile messages. Um, vile ask, messages? Yeah, asking about my business, um, telling me things that I just didn't want to know. If I bumped into people, I ought to talk in my group chat and just, it made me they ill. Me like, it made me so sick. So I came off all social media. And bear in mind, at the same time, I'm mm-hmm. knee deep and trying to figure out what's going on with my chest. And I was starting to feel like I knew it was something serious. So I deleted all my social media for two months, I think it was. Probably two months. And it was the best thing I ever did. I fucking idolised it. Had the best time in my life. Really, really enjoyed not being on social media. And then I really came back into myself. And me and my mad booked the holiday away. Uh, <laughs> I really, I was gorgeous on the holiday. Sean, me lovely long hair. long hair. I was lovely and skinny. I was grey. And then we came home and they're like, yeah, you have breast cancer. I was like, oh. It's for fuck's sake. Like, it's the first time I'm actually kind of feeling all right in myself. (laughs) I was coming around. No, we need a tit off you, please. Thank you very much. So it's obviously not a breast cancer episode. We know that I went through all that. I got the mastectomy, done IVF. That's a whole different kettle of fish. Started my treatment. Then it was COVID and cancer at the same fucking time, which actually was a blessing in disguise, to be fair, because I didn't fucking miss anything. Didn't miss very much. Um, But also I became a COVID cop. Because all my friends were out gargling and hanging around with each other and I was bitter, Betty, Petty, LaBelle sitting at home, <laughs> losing my mind. I was like, you dirty bastards out having fun while I'm at home, suffering. And nobody gave a bollocks and I was really, really bitter at one stage and obviously I grew out of that then. And um, it was the most sane and mentally stable that I had felt because, like I said, it was the one end goal was getting better. Yeah. So all of the shit that I was upset over, like if my hair didn't go right one day, if my makeup was shite, it didn't matter now, I look like a ton. No. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I literally, I... I People aren't going to judge it on that anyway. No, just looking at you that's like, oh what my I God. mean. That's what I mean. I think it kind of, I was like, look, I look poxy anyway. So what's there to be upset over? Like all I have to worry about here is staying alive. So mm-hmm. I... Sw- but yeah mental health was really good and then the second me treatment ended it was like all of the regular stuff that I had to worry about came back into my life life. how are you going to get into a relationship one tip why will any man fancy you when you have no hair like also attention you loved attention growing up so the attention you got from cancer had a big huge thing because once it was like oh that girl's fine again oh no not that Oh, no, not that. No, not that. No, Sean. No, not that. No, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I was more kind of, like, typical. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I was expecting it. I was like, of course, everybody's going to be up me hall while I'm sick. Yeah, but it's great to be friends stopped. with the sick girl. And then you'd have everything to think about, as in, like, oh, no, but, but the only things that I was thinking about was coming back around to the real world. Like, that, yeah, like, how am I going to, all my friends are kind of saying, fellas, and going out on nights out, like, I'm going to look like their uncle. Nobody's <laughs> going to want it, go near me. Like, it, it was more, again, it was more so, like, integrating back into me fucking social life. The thoughts of going back to work made me fucking violently ill. Just loads of stuff got in on me. And, yeah, like, and then obviously I came out of that. Um, was doing my own thing again, getting back to myself. Do you know what? I fucked off over to Chantel then because I was just like, do you know what? I need a little break. Went over there, kind of leveled the head and came back and accepted that I had to kind of go back to the real world and and get myself together. And it's been a process ever since 
I kind of started like my proper little healing journey in November. I started doing Reiki. Yeah. I started meditating. I started. I didn't start back counseling actually up until about two months ago, and it's been a do counseling. Yeah, it's been a process ever since, and I'm here now where I am. I feel a little bit stuck, um, in it in a sense that I'm I'm progressing so much in my mind and my health, and it's so lovely. But at the same time, I You're have days roots, and I don't know where to plant. Don't them. Where to I don't know what them. to yeah. do. I don't know where to go. So I'm a little bit stuck at the moment, but also feeling heavily blessed mm-hmm. to be in the position that I'm in to be stuck in. Because I'm stuck in my health. I'm stuck in having a roof over my head and being able so to it's eat. all the positives. Yeah, yeah. In. But also, it's just that little, what am I going to do now? Where am I going now? Yeah, Lads, so we peel back the layers of the onion. And this is fucking me and Carly. You've asked for, for so long. Now we could still touch on about so much more. But we're very tired after that. I'm so, so proud of you listening. because you've never, ever opened up to me like that with your friends. No, I've never opened to anyone. Even when I sit with Alison typing never. it down, I was like getting so emotional. You so that's have. why I feel like I need to move as well. I'm and like, I wouldn't mind, Sean had a whole Word document, and I mean a whole <laughs> Word document typed out with fucking bullet points. That's a Sean, turn your fucking phone off, love. And I swear to God, that is probably the most you've ever opened up to me, the rawest you've yeah, ever been in front of me. Gets it. Yeah, well, oh, that's the most I've ever seen you do it, and it was without your fucking template. So in future, trust yourself. That's it. Ian, do you want to have anything put in there now? Ian's fed up with us, but thanks very much for sitting and listening to... If you're still listening. If you're still listening, (laughs) Jesus Christ, we're very tired. Uh, Thank you for listening to Air Lives. And obviously, like Sean said, we could have done an awful lot more, but you don't need to know anymore. You don't need to know. (laughs) And we're going to love and leave you, and we're going to go get fit, because we're always hungry and tired. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.